the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm Kali Foxman, and I'm here today with my colleague, Ashley. I am so excited to be here because we are speaking with one of my local heroes, Vincent Petrick, owner and founder of JP Licks, and Adele Traub, their marketing manager. Vincent started Boston's beloved ice cream shop almost 40 years ago, which now has 16 locations in and around the city. In addition to ice cream, JP Licks also offers coffee they roast themselves, baked treats, and this Purim, for the very first time, hamantaschen. And we do love a cookie that celebrates Jewish survival. Hamantaschen, in case you don't know, are triangle-shaped cookies made to commemorate the Jewish celebration of Purim. The cookies, traditionally filled with poppy seeds and fruit preserves, are shaped to resemble the three-cornered hat of Haman, the villain in the Purim story. But before we get into Purim, let's talk ice cream. Vincent and Adele, welcome to the Vibe of the Tribe. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. J.P. Licks is a local institution that everyone, including us, knows and loves. Tell us how you got started. I could say it started at birth. I was a quiet baby. No, um, <laughs> but no, we'll start with uh, when I graduated from college at Temple University in Philadelphia, which is near where I grew up. And uh, I took a job as a dishwasher in an ice cream shop. It was the worst paying job I had had in five years. My parents were thrilled. So as I stayed at J.P. Licks and learned, I grew with the business and I ended up being a scooper, a manager, and then head ice cream maker. And um, the gentleman who owned the business was kind of interesting because his background was completely in marketing. So he knew nothing about ice cream. So I ended up having free reign. And that was a great thing for me to work out recipes. What I ended up really liking about the business was the fact that I watched people, a lot of them were neighbors because I lived two doors away from where I work and I would see them in other businesses or just on the street and they weren't particularly happy people. However, when they came into the ice cream shop, there was a transformation that occurred to many of them, not all of them, but many of them, where they became nice and they became friendly and they relaxed. And I like that about ice cream because my previous, uh, choices for uh, my future had been um, when I was younger to be a Catholic priest. Uh, and I ended up not becoming one because the Vatican II, they didn't get rid of celibacy basically. And the other thing I knew when I was, believe it or not, 11 years old, because I wanted to have a family. Mm -hmm. So that scratched off the priesthood from my list. Then I wanted to be a family therapist. And that's what I went to college for. And I did real well with that, but my grade point average was too low. Back then, you, you had a one in five chance of getting into uh, medical school and a one in seven chance of getting into a clinical psych program. So uh, I couldn't cut the mustard there. And so that ends the jobs, the dishwasher, and then basically discovering what the rest of my life was going to be, which was serving people ice cream. And what was most attractive to me was the fact that it made them happy. It sounds kind of corny and stupid in a way, but that's I what know. I really, I, I love about ice cream. There was an interesting little fact about ice cream. You think about ice cream as a comfort food. And um, it was the first choice among go-to foods for people with eating disorders. And then afterwards were baked goods like brownies. But ice cream was number one. This hard, cold, frozen treat warmed them. 
you know, and it was their choice to try to fill the emotional gap within them. And I thought that told a lot about ice cream, actually, that fact. And so that was how I got into the business. Wow. I just remember this was several months ago. I just gotten I, w- I just gone to JP Licks in Davis and I got some ice cream, chocolate and a waffle cone with rainbow sprinkles. And I was walking home and um, there was a restaurant right outside and this little kid was so excited. He was pointing at my ice cream and he was like, mommy, mommy, look at her cone, look at her cone. And just like the joy yeah. in his voice yeah. was it, It's priceless. Um, you can tell new parents. Uh, they bring their baby in for the first time to eat ice cream and almost inevitably they choose chocolate. And I think it's a good choice for photographs because when you mess up your chocolate ice cream over your face and over the table and everything, it's a really good mess. Mm -hmm. And they make really good messes, these kids. And, you know, and everyone's so happy, the parents, the child, we are, you know, everyone's happy, you know, so, um, it's like whenever I'm uh, at the movies and I see uh, ice cream on the screen, I always break out into applause because I think oh, is it, this is another another thumbs up for ice cream over frozen yogurt or something mm, like that, mm-hmm. you know, which is ironic because we make frozen yogurt and we make very good frozen yogurt because mm-hmm. we make it like the ice cream. But anyway, um, that's that's sort of a dead horse these days. Mm-hmm. And how did you come up with the name for your hmm. store? <laughs> Over a pitcher of beer. Um, actually, several. Uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to call the, and see, this relates back to my priesthood story. I wanted to call the ice cream shop Virgin Cream. <laughs> you see what you uh, Yeah, see, exactly. All you filthy minds out there are going to one place, and I am, you know, like the little altar boy sitting there going, no, no, it's pure, it's wholesome, it's virgin, you know? So anyway, that I, everybody did that, and they all thought it was funny, and they thought it was suicide business-wise mm. in Irish Catholic Boston back in 1981 to call your ice cream shop virgin, mm-hmm. you know? So... What came next was JAP for Jamaica Plain and Licks because you lick ice cream. And uh, and I thought, eh, that, that sounds like it could be somebody's name. You know, they shortened their name. Maybe the name was Lick Halter. You know, now they call themselves Licks, you know, and JP. Yeah, that's good, you know. So that was how we ended up as JP Licks. Also, I love JP. Um, and I wanted, uh, I was proud to incorporate it into my business's name because back then, People didn't do that with JP. Um, it was a negative, if anything, to most people. Mm-hmm. And uh, people in JP, my second steward was in Brookline. They told me it was okay if I didn't call JP Licks. Um, I could change the name to Brookline Licks or Corner <laughs> Licks. Yeah. And that no one in JP would be offended, which was really nice of them. But, you know, being sort of a little punk kid, um, I called a JP Licks there too, and it didn't make any difference. <laughs> Great. And Adele, how did you get involved with JP Licks? I, so I used to work in theater and I would do social media for the theaters that I worked for. And then I did it for an orchestra that I still do it. I still do social media for the Boston Landmarks Orchestra. And we had somebody who was doing 
part-time marketing work, Rachel, and she texted me one day and she said, do you know anybody who would be interested in this job? And I said, um, I know me. <laughs> so I applied and I met with our operations manager and we hit it off and I just started working in the ice cream business. I had always eaten at J.P. Licks in Davis Square usually. Mm-hmm. And then I became part of the family and it's been great. Awesome. And a love member of the family you are. Aw, it's <laughs> blushing. You can't see. That's, that's okay, Adele. He calls me Adele. <laughs> Call me Adele. Call me a cat. No. So part of the appeal of your brand is that it's kosher, which caters to Boston Jews. Why was it important for you to make sure your products are kosher certified? How did that come to be? Well, as you know, we opened in Jamaica Plain, and to take care of um, a large segment of the population in Jamaica Plain uh, was the Hispanic population. And I quickly learned my first summer in business um, about tropical fruits, especially mangoes, um, because uh, I fell so in love with mangoes, I bought a case, which was eight mangoes. And then when I was anticipating opening up in Brookline, I thought, okay, now what's my population like over there? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, usual sort of different white people over there, you know, not so many minorities. And I thought, oh, but the big minority is a significant one, and that's Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, my wife was Jewish at the time, and uh, I uh, ran by her relatives on. I said, is there a problem with a non-Jew doing kosher food mm-hmm. you know and, yeah they said no of course not as a matter of fact a lot of jewish people can't afford to do jewish uh, kosher f- certified mm-hmm. because they have to close on the sabbath and so i said oh okay so then i had the pleasure of meeting uh, the uh, head rabbi of the vod harabonim and uh, back then it was um it was Rabbi Halbfinger, and uh, he was a great man. He's like about six foot four. He could have been in a movie, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so we hit it off, and uh, it turned out about 95% of what we were using was kosher already. Mm-hmm. So back then, the hardest um, decision we had to make was to uh, get rid of M&M's. Because oh. M&M's were not kosher. Mm. Oh. And I have heard stories about the day that they became kosher. The oh. entire Schechter school wow. went running out and down to the local convenience store to buy <laughs> wow. all the M&M's off the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. Anyway, but that, that was how I got into it. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was out of respect in trying to cater to um, a segment of my community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And can you clarify, um, are all of the stores yes. kosher? Okay. That was the thing. I, I didn't want to just have kosher ice cream mm-hmm. and then everything else. You know, um, and I wanted it to be, a, a parent could wait outside and send their seven-year-old in mm-hmm. with $5, you know, and they could get what they liked. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, I didn't want there to be any confusion or mm-hmm. uh, misperceptions. Yeah. And it hasn't been that hard, really, you mm-hmm. know. The only time we run into problems is currently I'm having this with a um, a mushroom tea person because mm. she's small and she can't afford to become kosher. Mm. So 
I don't know if we'll be able to use her product because of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that's the most the worst uh, infringement upon our absolute freedom, you mm-hmm. know. So. Mm-hmm. But I remember the first time I saw bags of Cheryl Antala on your counter <laughs> at Davis Square, I was just overcome with this really odd sense of pride about being Jewish. Oh. You've been selling challah for a while and now hamantaschen, yay. <laughs> so how do you gauge a demand for Jewish food? Oh, it's like, let's try it. That's about how we gauge it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like I had been a personal customer of Cheryl Ann's Hall. It's my favorite French toast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to remember the night before to cut it up and let it dry out because mm-hmm. you know, it's so rich and moist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and Mahamantasha, um, I think it was our baker's suggestion, actually, mm-hmm. Joe. And he recommended it, and I said, "Sure, go ahead and try it." And they're coming out great. Their scratch recipe, which is nice, because mm. we try to make as much as we can from scratch recipes as far as the frozen desserts go. Mm. That's awesome because we were going to ask, "Are you baking these in house?" So it sounds yeah. like yes. Um, uh, and what flavors uh, will you be selling? Unfortunately, I got vetoed for my favorite flavor, which is poppy seed. Uh, wait. Uh, that's the one that you guys aren't selling? We're doing right. apricot and raspberry. Oh. You know, what your good choices, you know, but I think I, I just like the poppy seed because it's exotic too. And it reminds me of my childhood because I grew up eating uh, the uh, sweet loaves of bread with the pr- uh, with prunes and poppy seeds rolled into it, you know. Yeah, like a mun roll. Is that what it yeah, is? It's, um, I'm trying to remember what we called it in Polish. Oh, memory fails me. Mm. So, inquiring minds want to know, yes. will you be offering hamantaschen flavored ice cream or something we're inventing right now, a hamantaschen ice cream sandwich? Oh, you're inventing that? Well, we're just suggesting it. <laughs> oh, I, I see. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Just a new invention of a that's, take on an ice cream sandwich. I mean, that, two hamantaschen that's cookies. A, that's a great idea. I think people you know? should make that at home. They should come oh, in, get our home touch, and get some get ice some cream. Flavors. Put um, it together. God, you're the marketing whiz. Right. They should yes. take photos, hashtag us on Instagram. <laughs> be amazing. Your, new, your newest uh, Instagram uh, invention, Glory. Big um, so speaking of unique flavors, uh, we know you've offered both Kugel and Manischewitz flavored mm-hmm. ice creams. What inspires these kinds of Jewish holiday confections? And do you have any new holiday combos up your sleeve? I, I, I love Google because uh, it was my favorite uh, uh, dessert uh, from my Jewish relatives, mm. you know. And um, I love I, I a bit of cinnamon to it and the egg yolks and all that. Um, and then um, Manischewitz to me was... The first Passover I attended, a fight broke out <laughs> between the over 50s and the under 30s. And the battle was over California kosher wines, which were just hitting the market back then, mm-hmm. and Manischewitz. And it was almost a brawl. And I loved it. So whenever <laughs> I think of Manischewitz, it just makes me smile. So remembering <laughs> this like seven or eight minute long, you know, battle royale over, you know, what was better, you know. And I also grew up, it was kind of funny. Uh, my grandma used to give it to me when I would go swimming in the ocean after four or five hours to settle my stomach. 
Wow. I, I used to get like an upset stomach when I would get packed because I swallow a lot of seawater. Yeah. And um, Manischewitz did the trick. Interesting. Uh, oh, no. I had I a blackberry. Yeah. Huh. All right. So that's good to know. There's a yeah. personal connection there for the Manischewitz. Yeah. yeah. Actually, both personal connections. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I love that you had Kogel for dessert because in my family, it was just a side dish with the main meal. Right. Uh, right. Add that right onto the plate. Uh, mm. I never, I never liked. See, I have a sweet tooth, so I would always prefer the dessert version of anything possible. Mm. And did those flavors sell well? Like those holiday flavors, the people. What was the reception to that? How do we say this politely? <laughs> no, 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 they 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 sell moderately well, okay. you know. But the people who get it are really happy to get it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, like I developed a secret process for not having frozen noodles in mm. your frozen ice cream, mm-hmm. so okay. which I can't share with you. I'm okay. sorry. Oh, that's be my new book. Yes, <laughs> we yeah. respect the process. Uh-huh. Yes, it'll be my new book, Virgin Cream. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And Adele, you're Jewish. I am. So how is this meaningful for you to work at a company like this that's actively, you know, putting in an effort to be kosher and be accessible to all Jews? It's nice to see. It's nice to feel included and it's nice to be seen. So um, I keep kosher at home. It's really great to be able to go out and have kosher products, know that I can go in, have anything. There's not going to be bacon accidentally put on something and i just love that we how much thought we put into it you know i have to be careful about what i buy in the supermarket but it's fascinating to see how careful we have to be we have to test every product get all of our certificates so it's a really long process to find what we can include and it's fascinating to see it happen and it's nice to see people doing it just because they know it includes people Mm -hmm. Adele, as you just said, JP looks prides itself on catering to the tastes of Boston's ethnically diverse community. One of my favorite monthly flavors that you guys have done is El Diablo, the Mexican chocolate. Mm-hmm. So yummy. You've also served Thai peanut and Ube ice creams. Yeah. What are some of your most diverse flavors so far and how have your customers received it? Well, uh, actually, this is a, a road covered in tears and sadness because (laughs) i really i'm still annoyed at this i'll make it nice and polite um i came up with a thai dinner okay Mm. and it was um pad thai ice cream um uh thai uh sweet and sour dipping sauce and what was the third oh let's see I'm sorry, I'm forgetting it. But anyway, um, and people walked in and they like make grimace and they go, give me, a, give me a taste of that pad thai, you know, <laughs> and they put it in their mouth and they chew it and they like some of them would want to like spit it out. Uh-huh. And, and I, I said, well, what, what's wrong? And they're like, it tastes like pad thai. <laughs> I go, well, that's what it's supposed to taste like, pad thai, you know? The name's not a joke. You know, I feel right. like Jerry Seinfeld, you know? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. So anyway, um, that, that, that was one of my, um, yeah, it was on the rocks of the stormy coast. It failed. Our ube and the pandan that were really, really oh, popular yeah. when mm-hmm. we released them in June of last year. I kept a little log of all the reactions that we got on social media mm-hmm. because people were just so happy to see something that they'd grown up with, especially the Filipino community in Mm -hmm. Boston. And we connected with um, these folks who run the Boston Filipino. I don't think they're called society. I'm not sure. 
but they um we've connected with them and we're going to try and do some rest some baked good recipes with them and people were just there was a an, an influencer who posted he said i'm not being paid to say this i just love this so much it reminds me of home i'm mm-hmm. so happy that it's out there and it was just really nice to see how happy being represented made people mm-hmm. yeah. wow and it tasted good mm-hmm. it was really good and, and you, it was colorful. Yeah, yeah, such a pretty color. And you said uba and pandan. It's a leaf that is sort of used like vanilla in Southeast Asia. So it has a sort of vanilla but nutty flavor. Ooh. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And it's bright green. It's mm-hmm. great. That sounds amazing. Some people, not me, might call ice cream a seasonal treat. But Bostonians love J.P. Licks year-round, just like they do their large iced coffees from Dunkin'. What's the secret ingredient to your success? Mm. Uh, it's the ice cream, <laughs> followed by the service, followed by the store, the atmosphere in the store and how they look, I think. Um, that's one of my great thrills uh, that remains my domain, which is designing the new stores. Mm. and. There are no two JP Licks that look alike. And um, that's got its pluses and some minuses as far as brand recognition and things like that go, you know. But um, I like the fact that each one's different. And to me, somehow, it reflects the neighborhood that it's in. Mm. Um, oh, and the, the ice cream. Um, it's funny. The first review we got when we opened was from a Northeastern student reporter. And she urged her uh, readership to hurry to J.P. Lex and get some ice cream because she said they'll soon be going out of business. Oh. And the reason that we were going to go out of business, according to her, was, and she cited it as an example, the mocha. The mocha is like two sledgehammers, chocolate and coffee, ashing in your face for dominance, you know, and I got that, and I thought, that's a great compliment. Thank you. Because <laughs> it, it, it was funny. Know, that recipe kind of literally started off as a mistake because oh. I was I was baking the ice cream at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I closed the night before, and I forgot. And I put in all the coffee. I put in the coffee ice cream and all the chocolate I put in the chocolate. So it was should have been half and half, you yeah. know. Yeah. And But I, when I tasted it, it was like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> so... Um, so it was, it was funny. Um, but that's that's also it's funny of all these like bizarre stories that are negative. Um, <laughs> the other one was my first customer. Man, watch me build the store every day. A retired gentleman, really sweet. He gets in line. He gets his ice cream cone. He's standing by the door until he gets my attention. I look at him, and he looks at me, and he holds the ice cream cone up like the Statue of Liberty and throws it into the trash can, and he said, "Kid, good luck." This stuff tastes like a cup of coffee. It doesn't taste like ice cream. Oh my and he God. walked out the door, and I was like, oh, my God. No, he was so nice. So he was, I mean, for months, so he was wow. nice. Oh, yeah, he was. It was really yeah. funny. You know? oh, God. Wow. Oh, wow. So, yes, anyway. But it, the, the fun thing with all these stories is they all have happy endings. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly the, one, uh, the way I wanted the ice cream to taste, which was, yeah, like a sledgehammer. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. Um, they detest with Americans. I don't know about anybody else around the world. But anyway, Americans, if you blindfold them, 62% cannot tell the difference between vanilla and chocolate ice cream. Really? They rely, that is wild. They rely so much on their eyes. Now, wow. what I think was these, mm-hmm. these 
taste science people that did this mm-hmm. probably went to the supermarket and got mm-hmm. the cheapest vanilla, right, which... cheapest chocolate. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, the biggest difference between the two of them, because chocolate's more expensive, mm-hmm. is the color. Yeah. You know? And well, if you rob people of the perception, then they're not going to tell the yeah, difference. You yeah. Know? So that's what I think. You wow. Know? Okay. That was an interesting statistic. Yeah, definitely. Know? I think people really like to gather around ice cream also. Mm. Like you can get, we have a, a new mom's group that comes into the store once a week and they sit in the back table with their teeny little babies yeah. and just <laughs> gossip with each other over ice cream. And mm-hmm. I love sometimes when I'm downstairs parents and their little kids my favorite moment is i overheard a mom say okay we'll have ice cream today but you have to promise you're gonna brush your teeth tonight no (laughs) argument so i feel like people bond over ice cream and because ours is so good it's the Mm -hmm. place to go to bond no matter what time of year it is Mm -hmm. you know in spite of all that the fact is we can do in the summertime in one day what it takes us a week in the winter to do Mm. dollar wise you know it's crazy because it's like for six months a year you lose money in the ice cream business Mm -hmm. in in new england at Mm -hmm. least you know i don't know what it's like in florida Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but uh but then the summers make up for it thank god yeah Yeah. but you do have seasonal flavors like frozen hot chocolate my favorite one you do ever and then you they're like there's like an eggnog one and a peppermint one and and there's the peach one that we do only we keep you know cranking as if nothing was happening yeah (laughs) (laughs) so in many ways it sounds like jp licks markets itself but um adele do you do anything special to market any of these seasonal flavors or just the brand in general we try really hard to connect with all the neighborhoods that we're in. So we have 17 stores, 17 neighborhoods. Each one's a little different. There's different needs in each neighborhood. So we connect with a lot of nonprofits who Mm -hmm. are holding fundraisers. We donate a ton of ice cream. There's an event coming up in Harvard square on Saturday to celebrate Dr. Seuss's birthday. So for that celebration, we have red and white sprinkles going just to our Harvard Square store so we can decorate the cones and, you know, cat in the hat, right? Right. So we do things like that. And Mm -hmm. then we're running a sock drive for the rest of February Mm -hmm. um, just because we wanted, we knew there was a need. And so we wanted to help meet that need. Mm -hmm. And um, we do a lot of stuff like that. And then in in JP, they hold their neighborhood elections every four years on our little patio so there's just a lot of neighborhood activity that we make sure that we're involved in Mm -hmm. and then we just have to make sure people know we're there so we do a lot of um ads in like high school musicals you know the little programs that they give out so we put an ad in neighborhood things Mm -hmm. like that with a little coupon you know congratulations on your show Mm -hmm. and so and plus it's just again it's a great place for kids to come in and gather after their Mm -hmm. exciting show clothes so we do things like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that leads right into our next question um we know you do a lot of charity work uh charitable work like donating money and time to the home for little wanderers and new england shelter for homeless veterans among hundreds of other organizations Uh, you also offer your coffee grounds for people to compost in judaism that's what we call tikkun olam or repairing the world why is it important to you for jp licks to actively contribute to and support uh your neighborhoods and communities um it it goes back to having one store and why it was called jp licks um in a way um i always feel businesses before it was popular had a responsibility to their neighborhoods Mm -hmm. because a lot of people in the neighborhood see it 
almost antagonistically about the business community. You know, they generate traffic, they don't generate trash, all that kind of stuff. And the reality is the lifeblood of most communities is their business district. And uh, and so, you know, like we, 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 do, we, we, pray, we play let's pretend when we open up in a neighborhood and we go after similar things, you know, like the girls' soccer team, the boys' little whatever, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's just what a neighborhood business should do. It's really that simple, you know. You help people out in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't do it for the money, you know. Because um, I, I don't know. I mean, um, if, I don't know. I really don't care, <laughs> you know, about uh, whether we make our money back from doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we do about nine percent of our gross is charitable donations. Mm, wow. You know, so. That's what we do. Yeah. We started the composting program because there's so many community gardens in JP. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's there's a little bit of the world in trouble right now. So we mm-hmm. thought this is just something we could do to help the world be a little greener, a little happier. It was another, it was the same thing as serving ice cream. How can we help? How can we make people happier? Mm-hmm. Love that. So what's next for JP Lix? Hmm. I wish I knew. (laughs) (laughs) We have a couple of partnerships coming up. Um, We are, so our assembly row store is just across the street from Legoland. Mm -hmm. And um, they have the only female master builder in North America working there. Wow. Wow. So she makes murals out of Legos. Yeah. So we're going to hang one of her murals in that store and unveil it for International Women's Day. That's just one of our little partnerships coming up it's really exciting yeah it's mural made of legos come on oh my god and we have partnerships coming up with um johnny cupcakes and (gasps) yeah very exciting Mm -hmm. and blue man group so Mm -hmm. we have some fun stuff coming up and there's always new flavors on the horizon which we can't you know another little secret we can't (laughs) that No, see, we also opened up four stores in the last two years so now we need a few years to figure out how to run much bigger business yeah. than we had before. Of course. You know? So, because there's, there's no point to like reckless expansion. Um, I, I'd much rather have you know fewer stores and have them run well. Mm-hmm. So. Of course. Mm-hmm. We are going to jump into our speed round right now. So, a couple quick rapid fire questions for the both of you. You ready? JP Lick's top selling ice cream flavor. Vanilla. Biggest flavor flop? Um, Pad Thai. (laughs) (laughs) Personal favorite flavor? Mine is peanut butter chip hard yogurt. I love our chocolate chips and I love uh, peanut butter. Tabasco and cucumber. (laughs) 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 How's that for esoteric? I love it. (laughs) Favorite Jewish food? Kugel. Yeah, Kugel. (laughs) Favorite ice cream topping? Peanut butter. JP Lux homemade hot fudge, buttersweet, bittersweet hot mm. fudge. It's so good. So good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vincent and Adele, for joining us today on the Vibe of the Tribe. It's been a treat. Thank you Thank so you. much. For more information about JP Lux, visit jplix.com. To find Purim events and resources, visit jewishboston.com slash Purim. 
Be sure to follow at Jewish Boston on social media and subscribe to the Vibe of the Tribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. You can also email us at podcast at jewishboston.com with your comments, feedback, and ideas for future topics and guests. Thanks, as always, to our editor, Jesse, and our composer, Ryan. And remember, please pour them responsibly. <laughs>